Now, AM 1240 WATN presents Live at 5 with Glenn Curry. Sponsored by Herringer's Contracting, the roof people who call you back. This is Live at 5 with Glenn Curry. <laughs> Army where you shoot them a mile away, you gotta get up close like this, and bing, you blow their brains all over your nice Ivy League suit. <laughs> was it over with the Germans bomb Pearl Harbor? Hell no! German? Forget it, he's rolling. <laughs> Learn it, know it, live it. Are you running a business or a charity war? Leave the gun, take the cannoli. Uh, Yankees win! Pull over! No, it's a cardigan, but thanks for This is Live at Five, Live at Five, Live at Five. That's right, yeah. Oh, boy. Lot to cover. Lot to cover. So, big, big day. Uh, Well, you know, I got got the other side of the story as far as the uh, uh, Councilwoman Sarah Campo Pierce is concerned. That is part of the, I guess you could say, complaint against her. So we're fair fair, balanced. I read uh, her statement yesterday. And, uh, well, I'm going to read uh, the other side of the story today. Again, we try to be, we don't want to be like Fox News anymore. <laughs> they're, they're like, uh, well, we can, we can talk about that and many other things right here. I, I didn't hear much of the hotline show today. I did hear the tail end of it. My, my uh, uh, name was mentioned. Of course, uh, Tim was, was talking about Bobby and trying to unravel things yesterday about, you know, the golf deal. And he had like 30 seconds left. And Jeff's like, I, I got to go. I got to go. I don't know who's worse, Laura Ingram getting out of a conversation or Jeff Graham. Hey, I got to go. Maybe I should try that sometime. I don't think it will go over too well. So anyway, uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, T- Tim the Enchanter was talking about Bobby. Thank you, Bobby Ferris, for coming in yesterday. Uh, thank you, indeed. So we'll get to the national news first, but let me just uh, stick to my guns here, like I said from the outset, uh, because we would, uh, okay, uh, oh, I just found out uh, that they had a decent amount of walk-ups uh, and ended making money up there at the at the Clayton Opera House for the uh, their show this past weekend with Stephen Page. Remember, we interviewed him. So I'm literally getting this email. So that int- that's uh, uh, Live at Five interrupt us. But that's good news. I love seeing news like that. So it did well. Hopefully, I know we helped out there for sure. So let's go to the... Uh, dip, 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 dip. I got way too many uh, email accounts. I did get a uh, an email from PJ. That's, um, that's Philip Sameo. And uh, let's see if I can get to it. Okay, here we go. So, remember yesterday I spoke at length because I wanted to squeeze that in. You know, there's, there's two council people right now that have some type of ethics uh, complaint against them. We know about, um, about Cliff only. Shocking, that's his first one, <laughs> at least officially. Uh, but this, this, this comes from PJ regarding the same matter. Uh, oh, actually, a different matter because, remember, it's a different complaint against uh, Councilwoman Campo. So PJ says in his email, Mr. Mix, the email is being sent to you because I couldn't find an email. Okay, whatever. I would like to file a complaint with the ethics board to investigate the serious, irresponsible, false and defamatory statements made by Councilwoman uh, Ms. Campo Pierce. I call her Sarah. I just added that. The outrageous public insinuation that I was somehow involved in extortion, in quotation marks, as it pertains to the city's recent acquisition of the golf course in Thompson Park is a pathetic display of how incompetent and out of touch, sorry, getting dramatic here, Ms. Campo Pierce is, I call her Sarah, with reality and the extremes she will go to for the media attention. Ms. Campo Pierce, reckless, her behavior, her reckless behavior must be thoroughly and fairly investigated by the ethics board. By the way, do we have an ethics board? And don't tell me Cliff only is heading ahead of the ethics board. Ms. Campo Pierce's disgraceful accusation has no basis in fact and is patently false. In my opinion, Ms. Campo Pierce is abusing her duties as a city councilwoman for political and personal reasons with complete disregard for the truth and the best interests of the city. It would also be my opinion that city attorney Mr. Bullard 
uh, must recruit, recuse, him, recuse themselves, excuse me, folks, uh, because he's already made public statements concerning this matter and would be a potential witness. Now, remember, uh, Bullard, am I getting that name right? Uh, he was the one that had it out with uh, Councilman uh, uh, Cliff only the other day. I kind of like that. I like that guy a lot. Like I said, we, we called him Frank Thomas. So there you have it. We're fair and balanced. And, I, and basically, I read as many words as what uh, Sarah had uh, uh, submitted to myself and all the other media outlets. That's right. I'm a media outlet right now. So I just wanted to cover the bases there. So today, um, I was waiting with bated breath. And I was watching, I guess, Fox News, whichever. It doesn't really matter. And the, all the Republicans come out with, with today was the day they were going to unleash all these accusations against Biden and his family and this syndicate of illegal activity over the years with foreign nations, including China and Ukraine. And then literally 10 minutes later, and this, I tell you what, you got to admit that the, the, um, oh, I just, I, I got I just got a text from someone. Okay. Yes. Oh, I will. <laughs> I just got something from councilwoman and uh, mayoral candidate, Sarah Campo. I will read that in a bit. I just want to, I just want to, uh, thanks. Thank you, Sarah. I just want to cover the bases here. Because just as the, all the uh, Republicans were out there, I forget the guy's name from Kentucky. He's, a Repu- he's, a, he's in Congress. And he had a, a laundry list of accusations of diff- you know, different things that have tied in uh, the president himself with his brother and, of course, his crackhead son to so many wrongdoings. So I said, aha! <clears throat> the day after... Or rather, you know, the same day, I should say, that President uh, or former President Donald Trump was was accused of having forcibly touched someone at a Lord and Taylor uh, dressing room somewhere in Manhattan back in 1995, 1996. By the way, CNN doesn't know if it was 95 or 96. They make it as close as possible. So of the two evils, they chose 96. It actually happened in 1995. And I said yesterday that the woman in, uh, uh, who accused the President Trump or former President Trump of these heinous acts was 63. I was mistaken. She's 78 years old and looking pretty good for someone of that age. But that's neither here nor there. So I'm thinking, all right, today is the day. But no, no, of course not. Today was also the day that the verdict came down in the civil trial. Was it today or yesterday? I'm losing, I'm losing, I'm losing my tracks here. But it's one thing to say, you know, uh, you, you have this unbelievable list of reasons why the current administration is, is by all means corrupt through the family, making millions of dollars, and they have proof of it. And I'm looking at CNN right now, not one word of it. Will Nora O'Donnell uh, bring it up tonight at 630 on Channel 7? The news of the world for here and tomorrow? No, of course not. Doesn't fit the, uh, doesn't fit the narrative. And then in addition to that, and this is how they stack the deck, uh, what's his name? Con- uh, well, now I'm forgetting his name. George Santos. Is that his name? Boy, I'm all over the... George Santos was arrested today. Boy, he looks like a pudgy little... I don't know what he looks like, but what a colossal mess he is. So these are the big, big stories. Actually, I'm sorry. The, the, uh, the civil trial came down yesterday, Tuesday, uh, against Donald Trump. And then today, this morning, uh, the, the Republicans set up shop against the Biden administration. And within 20 minutes later, George Santos was in handcuffs. And that's clearly the biggest story on all the news outlets, of course, other than the, the, uh, the conservative ones like Fox and Newsmax and Breitbart. So it, the, it, the, it's, it's stacked. It's rigged. I don't care what you say. You still got Comey out there making making stupid statements. You still have Andrew McCabe. He's a disgrace to his last name. Still making stu- stupid statements. You have st- you have these ex uh, generals that were hired under the uh, of all old administrations, Republican and Democratic uh, administrations, making accusations against the Trump administration. It is so unbelievably stacked. There is no possible way Donald Trump's going to win the presidency. You see it, folks. You see it clear as day happening right under our nose. So let's go to the phones. It's probably Danny to say that I'm an idiot, but let's see anyway. Hi, you're on the air. It's Jason Trainer. What's going on, Jason? All right, he's not there. All right, he was there. Now, talk about slowing the show down. <laughs> Here it is. I'm, I'm talking a mile a minute, just like the extrovert would say, like, and all of a sudden, Jason Trainer takes it to a halting, screeching stop. And please, Jason, I don't know what you're going to say today, but please just keep it to yourself for the moment, because today, not only am I talking about such matters, but also I got to read Sarah Campbell Pierce's uh, uh, statement. And here it goes, folks. My statement, if you want to read it. Well, you know what? Let's read it. Sarah says, 
On numerous occasions, we have heard from city council members that one of the benefits of purchasing the Watertown Golf Club for $3.4 million was avoiding future litigation initiated by Mr. Smeo. Mr. Did I read this yesterday? I think I did. Let's read it again. Uh, by avoiding future litigation initiated by Mr. Smeo, otherwise known as PJ, and Mr. Lundy, in my opinion, threats to sue if the city doesn't take certain actions, or in this case, purchase nine holes of a golf course for $3.4 million, would seem like extortion, Sarah says. This is why I asked our city attorney for his opinion on the matter. Following comments made by council member only, who, uh, who before... Uh, taking office was partners with Mr. Smeo in suing the city regarding potential future litigation in our meeting on May 1st. It is ironic, Sarah says, that Mrs. Smeo, who via the, um, hmm, this is misspelled, recently received 850, during the deal, uh, received $850,000 in taxpayers' money to close nine holes of a golf course that hasn't been opened in several years. It's now calling for an investigation into me, Sarah, and calling questions regarding the possibility of extortion. That's a line from, of course, from, um, from animals. Oh, love both your legs broken. Call mine. I will remind that people that uh, I will remind uh, the public that this individual is an e- uh, in an email sent to the city council in 2021 stated that the value of closing the aforementioned nine holes was, was worth $650,000. Hmm. Why did the value increase by by so much. In my opinion, this was an attempt, or 200000 on his end, excuse me. In my opinion, this is an attempt to bully me into uh, to being quiet and about a deal that benefited two developers and took advantage of the taxpayers. From grossly overpaying from the property to not having the inspection or appraisal before the purchase was finalized. Furthermore, I, wor- I welcome all, uh, any more questions into the investigation that will help us get closer uh, to the clarity on how and why this deal proceeded without the due diligence that we owe the people we represent here in Watertown. There you have it. Hmm. Well, there you go. I may have read part of that, if not all of that. I don't know if I did it verbatim, but there you have it. I figured I'd do them all for good context today on uh, today's Wednesday show. Plus, I'm trying to cram in as much as possible before, of course, we get of course, uh, to Attorney Joe Stanley at the bottom of the hour. Now I have somebody on the phone. Let's see who it is. Hi, you're in the air. What's up with, uh, today? Does the phone work? Does anything work anymore? Hi, you're on the air. Worst show ever. Hi, you're on the air. What's going on, Glenn? I'm going to make it fast. Real fast, real fast. I stand behind Sarah Campbell's um, thinking that what was said between Cliff only, because he did say a lot of things that do confirm that there was litigation, there was stress of lawsuits, and also taking the three members to court. I don't know what other way you can explain to the public that, you know, blackmail, extortion, whatever's going on. Hmm. that shouldn't be going on. All right. I agree. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jason. You're absolutely right, Jason. Hi, you're on the air. Hey, there. You're there, Glenn? Yes, I'm here, Tim. Okay, listen, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit what uh, Bobby Ferris talked about yesterday. All right, I guess. Uh, he was, he did a little positive and a little negative thing here. So uh, he was saying that, um, that you know, uh, if his property was surround, you know, uh, was surrounded by a big farm. His property would be worth a lot. If uh, right, no, I get it. No, no, we get it. We get it. So uh, let me interrupt. Only because I'm just I do, I can't I can't slow down. And you mentioned this during the hotline show. That's the only part I heard. You're absolutely right. Bobby is absolutely right. Just like Disney looks at adjacent property in Orlando back in the early 70s as valuable to them because they could take more advantage of it. You see what I'm saying? That's why they bought the entire swamp for pennies on the dollar and then from there bought everyone out. Why? Because it benefited them. Am I right on that, Tim? Yeah, but but, but the flip side of that, Mm -hmm. Bobby said, right? Right. Bobby, he's he's an investor, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And Jake is. They would not buy that piece of property. Because it was surrounded by city property, it was no good to them. Right. And so Bobby also stated that statement. And so, therefore, the city had the leverage. Okay. Mm-hmm. And these people were not good negotiators with taxpayers' funds. That, that that's the deal. Mm-hmm. They cannot negotiate their way through a, a wet paper bag. Glenn, give me a break. Well, they didn't they negotiate. Had all yeah. the cards in their hand. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, right? To be able to buy that thing for one point two, nobody else is going to bite on that thing. Right. And the story came out with Cliff and Lisa. Oh, we were scared that somebody else is going to go purchase it. That's right. why we went and purchased it. And Bobby said out of his own mouth, 
nobody would buy that thing because of the location and the surrounding property that was around that right, thing. Right, right. So I'm just saying this to the voters there that these guys are uncontrollable. I said this on the hotline. There's checks and balances and everything. And if somebody don't have checks and balances, Glenn, right. they're out of control. Right. That's just the way it is. It mm-hmm. should be. I should have checks and balances in my life. If I don't, then then you know I could be loosey goosey like they are. Right. So right. if they get away with this, where would they? They'll never stop because they did not, uh, you know, hear to the voices of Watertown to say, well, 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 slow down. Let's take a look at this. Right. Well, did they slow down? Mm-hmm. No. No. They didn't do anything the taxpayers asked them to do to stop this procedure and let's take a look. Mm-hmm. What's happening here? No appraisal. No, no. Well, you know it all. No, I get it. But the only thing that we can do now, Glenn, yeah. is go to the voting booth and try to put a blockage on this Mm -hmm. where you can get some reasonable people to make logical decisions and do the best bidding that they can for for our city forward. Because, you know, in another 15 to 20 years, Glenn, I mean, you smell that water coming out of the tap, you can't drink that water. I don't smell that, for the record, but that's me. Huh? I don't smell. I don't smell the water. To me, it smells like water. Oh, to me, I I can. I don't know. Well, you're blind. Your senses are a lot more sensitive than I am. Well, it's just unreal. Right. Is it a sulfur smell? What does it smell like? All my life. Does it smell like sulfur? Does it smell like the Jamaica Bay? What does it smell like? Uh... Yeah, it almost yeah, it's almost got like a sulfur smell, but not not as bad as a sulfur smell. But you could tell something's wrong with it. All right. Like whoa, you know something that I don't want to drink that. And of course, your logical caller there, I, I forget his name. He's real logical about all these chemicals in there, all right. that stuff. And people, you know, what do you think they sent out those notices to your door? And nobody even knows what the, you know, right. uh, so many. Percentage of the well, I tell you what, Tim, I, and I'm only cutting you off only because I'm short of time today, but uh, it's a Wednesday. But yeah, yeah. Our, our friend and council person, Pat Hickey, uh, is going to be on one of these shows soon. I think he's, he's scheduled something with Jeff real soon. So you and many others will have a lot of questions to ask Pat. And for once, we can actually hear Pat's uh, assessment of well, all this. Well, he won't answer him anyhow, I'm sure of that. Oh, he, he will hear. That's for sure. He will hear. All right, Tim, thank you, my friend. Thank you very much. Uh, you make some very good points. As always, what do we want to know about uh, the charges against George Santos? Well, uh, he he pled not guilty to 13 federal charges today. They suggest, rather, that Santos fraudulently applied for COVID-related unemployment benefits. Uh, McCarthy stands, all right, whatever. He goes on and on and on about this. The big, big story, George Santos, the new uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and quite frankly, I'm disgraced by the guy, too. I couldn't believe it that a Republican actually won Congress out in Long Island. I knew Lee Zeldin did, but Lee Zeldin represents Long Island a heck of a lot better than George Santos uh, does. That's for sure. So it really does. And plus, he was a soldier. He's a smart guy. Um, you know, he fits into that whole mode. Um, but, you know, back, back in the days when, believe it or not, there were a lot of people in his class that were Republicans. Um, but uh, nonetheless, they're, they're, all, you know, they're all gone now. Jacob Javits, many others uh, that had that kind of uh, right-wing you know, uh, type of ideology. It doesn't happen anymore. But he got in there, and George Santos only got in there because he said he was this, that, the other thing. He was a minority. He was homosexual. And those are the things that resonate with, with, uh, with, with voters in a blue state. Now this guy is in, well, I guess today he was in handcuffs, although I don't see a picture of him in handcuffs. I know the Yentas on The View can't wait till that happens. And uh, that's, uh, oh, by the way, my friend Liz sent me a picture. She was literally two feet away from Tom Cruise at the, the Miami Grand Prix. That's where she is uh, for, the, for this week. And I tell you what, it's amazing. When you get a picture of someone taken by, you know, like someone like, like a regular person like my friend Liz, all of a sudden he doesn't look like Tom Cruise anymore. He kind of has man boobs. He looks very normal, looks very average to say the least. But that's Tom Cruise. And she got a picture of him. Like I said, she, he's looking right at the camera with his, with his Ray-Bans. Good guy. Great actor, by the way. It's promising, though. All the time I see him, he looks fantastic. He doesn't look fantastic here. There is hope in the world. So anyway, I got uh, the, the, my assessment of exactly what's going on in the world. 
the, 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 the left-wing media will never attack what, uh, what was brought up on the Hill by uh, the Republican Congress people about the Biden family. But they're going to feed on forever like a frenzy, like sharks forever for what was, came down yesterday in the civil trial against former President Donald Trump and today with George Santos. So you watch. Oh, I'm sorry, you can't watch because the, uh, the, this, uh, the, uh, this, uh, the writer's strike continues, meaning Steve Colbert is not on the air, Kimmel not on the air, and um, Fallon not on the air. However, uh, Greg Gutfeld is on the air and continues in fact, one of his writers today were on the uh, Brian Kilmeade show. He's a funny guy. It just goes to show that that show is not only better than the others, but now it's prominently going to get more and more exposure. But that said, if you go online and if you go to her blog, uh, what's her face there? She used to be with, uh, geez, my mind's just really slipping today. I apologize, folks. But she was on Fox at the 9 o'clock hour, and her name escapes me at the moment. She's a beautiful blonde. God bless her. But nonetheless, uh, she came out with the ratings yesterday, and the ratings at Fox News are horrific. They are just awful and not getting any better. You get rid of one guy. Of course, you get rid of Babe Ruth. You're no longer the 1927 Yankees anymore. You're just the Yankees. Fox News is gone. That said, Gutfeld's numbers are still doing well, which is a great sign. I believe also Fox and Friends does well in the morning, but their pundit shows in primetime between 8 and 11 o'clock disastrous. That includes Hannity and Laura Ingram. And trust me, no one's watching the eight o'clock hour. I know the, the former press secretary uh, was, was doing it yesterday or was doing it this week. Lawrence did it the previous week. Kilmeade started the first week when, uh, when uh, uh, Tucker was let go. Uh, but it's just, it's not the same. They give it a stupid name. It's just it's a rehash of everything else. And there's absolutely no personality. That said, yet another uh, recent announcement by Tucker Carlson that he's going to bring back some some show right away, which I think makes a lot of sense because he's got to get right back on the railroad tracks and tell everyone what's happening because so many things are happening in the world, not to mention his own story. So now he's going to do a similar show. I don't know when it's going to start on Twitter, which makes a lot of sense. That is not a permanent deal, but it's just a start to, to at least convey the message. That's something Bill O'Reilly did not do. Quite frankly, he couldn't do because the internet wasn't where it is these days. But thank God we still have Tucker to some degree. I, for one, will watch that show on a regular basis. He is amazing. I got to do this break, and we'll be back right after this with Joe, uh, Attorney Joe Stanley, right after these messages. Things are getting exciting at all the FX Caprera. My name is Gloria. We realized that our old will did nothing to protect us against long-term care costs. My husband Wes and I made a plan to protect our home, life savings, and small cottage in Henderson Harbor. Sadly, Wes is gone now, but what he and I work so hard for is protected for our family. Thanks, John. Why not listen to Gloria and protect your home and life savings from the incredibly high cost of nursing home care? A conversation with Safe Harbor Wills and Trust today can save you from the devastating financial loss due to Medicaid application mistakes, among others. Safe Harbor Wills and Trusts is the asset protection law firm. It's all they do. Stop procrastinating and protect your home and life savings today by calling 315-203-1747 and speak with a case manager. Call 203-1747 today. Safe Harbor Wills and Trusts. All right, as promised, we have our friend and weekly phone caller, Attorney Joe Stanley on the air with us. How you doing, Joe? Are you there, Joe? All right, never mind. Hi, Joe, are you there? I am, Glenn. How are you? Great, thank you. Yes, I'm going, doing good. Uh, a little hectic today. I, I got a late start, so uh, I, I, already it's 530 uh, so hope all is well down there in Syracuse. The weather is getting better, which is awesome, uh, which means there's a lot of construction on the roads. Now, Joe, you and I have talked about construction sites before, but I got to tell you, I couldn't take a picture of something yesterday. Quite frankly, Joe, because, well, you and many other people thought, would think that I'm crazy for taking a picture while I'm driving. <clears throat> but I wanted to take a picture yesterday. Now, this, again, no disrespect to the men who work in the streets, in the baking hot sun, who, who risk their lives, because really, it's a dangerous job to do street work, as you know, Joe. But I noticed there's just a lot of areas in Watertown that seem to be neglected in as far as safety is concerned. Here's why. One, they're putting in new curbs. And you know, when you put in new curbs, you start all over again. You create huge trenches. And in many cases, there's really not a lot of indicators 
that this is a, for, a fall off of or at least three, maybe four feet, which would do not only a lot of damage to your vehicle, but it could hurt yourself in your car or something like a pedestrian and whatnot. Two, I noticed yesterday that they were pushing traffic from two lanes on a four-lane city street. They were pushing the traffic because they were doing the curbs, and they were just, I know they were setting things up, but at this point it was already past 9 o'clock, and, and it, they, they were directing people with, actually they weren't directing people into oncoming traffic in a two-way area. In other words, they didn't separate the two existing lanes with cones. They just kind of let people figure it out for themselves. Does that make sense to you, Joe? No, and I, I can tell you there's a, there's a manual on how traffic construction is supposed to be handled and how much distance and what safety devices and cones and arrows and stuff are supposed to be in place. Right. And I agree with you. A lot of times these contractors put their employees at risk and the drivers at risk by not following them. Right. Because they take too long mm-hmm. and they're too expensive. Right. Yeah, I think it's I think it's like, well, you you see us, so slow down and figure it out for yourselves. And you know, Joe, on a regular basis, that's why we need stop signs. That's why we need lines in the road. That's why we need, uh, uh, you know, red lights, so forth, yellow lights. We need these guidelines for people to get from point A to point B. The moment you alter that and you say, ah, you see what we're doing, you could figure it out. That's when disaster happens, in my opinion, Joe. Well, yeah, because I know and you know that most accidents are, accidents are caused by people not paying attention. Right. So, and if they're on autopilot or they're thinking about something else, anything out of the ordinary is going to be hazardous. I'm sure you've had cases of construction zones where, I mean, most often, who is that? I mean, who gets hurt in a construction zone? Is it a pedestrian? Is it a driver? Or is it a construction worker, Joe? Uh, it can be any of those. <laughs> and there's been some very bad ones over the years. And, and, and you've, I'm sure you've had some high-profile cases, or and the majority of them? Yeah, are, are, you yeah know. I mean, I, you know, there's cases because they're not marked properly, and there's chain reaction collisions, and then there's other accidents where people are not marked or blocked properly, and the construction workers are hit. So, and, you know, and there's other ones where, you know, people fall because the construction's not marked, particularly right. in the dark. Yes, yes, and, yeah. And, and another thing, Joe, and I might have mentioned this before, at, at night they have these huge arrows which have these high-intensity beams in them. And a lot of them, especially at night when you're driving and your pupils are like the size of the quarters, uh, so you're absorbing as much light as you can, and then you come upon a construction site that's narrowing down from, say, three lanes to two lanes or two lanes to one lane, not Louisiana, by the way. Uh, so, and then all of a sudden, you see these lights, and they, they seem to be overbearing. And I wonder if they blind enough people, particularly people with cataracts and older people, so they don't know where they're driving anymore. Do you know what I'm saying, Joe? Like how distracting those lights can be? Well, you know, I think you're comparing them similar to somebody having their high beams coming on and right. coming from the opposite direction. Right, yeah. right, right. But these are construction lights telling you to get over, like, uh, one lane only. It's like, okay, okay, I get it. But it's like you're hitting me over the head in the dark of night somewhere in well, Route 81. Well, you know, they need, most people need to be hit over the head. Well, that's time. true. That's no, I, I agree. I totally agree. Uh, and, and the other thing is, I, I, would it be best, Joe, uh, again, I guess, you know, anyone in this business, especially an engineer who knows how to reroute traffic and whatnot, but it's funny, there's two there's two bridges being rebuilt. One is going over Route 81, well, the Coffee and Street Bridge. Now, I know as far as any business on there or people living from one side or the other, they need some aspect of a bridge open. But I would dare say, this is just a guess, I'm no engineer by any means, but it seems like if you just shut the bridge down, Joe, if you just shut it down completely, I think you could fix a bridge if you have no traffic going over it whatsoever. Does that make sense to you? Well, I, I, I don't think it's possible with most traffic patterns, though. You can't. The alternate routes are too long and too complex. Really? 
Because in our case, we could either use Bradley Street or Arsenal Street. In fact, you know, the, uh, the on-ramp on Coffeen Street is already closed, so that's been compromised. And I get it, because it, it would just make matters worse. But it seems like just that one little lane, and then you've got to wait for this light that seems to go on for like five hours, it seems. And I get it, because you need extra time for the last car to go over the bridge, or there's a real disaster. But to me, it just seems like the bridge can be completed much quicker if they just close it off altogether. Just my opinion, and I wonder also, and I should know this, if that particular bridge on, on, on Coffeen Street especially, no one lives there, I wonder if they're doing more night work. To me, it seems like more work, especially for a bridge like that over an interstate, should be done at night more often than not. So, yes, this is the time of year, Joe, when construction sites are very plent They're everywhere. I've lived up here for over 34 years now. I have never, repeat, never seen so much construction going on at the same time. I don't know if this is COVID money. I don't know if it is it happening down by you, Joe? Um, I don't think there's any more. Really? There's always a lot. Yeah. Because there's only a, it's a short season, you know, it's only eight months. Right, but more, it just seems like they're pouring it on and they're, they're trying to get as much things. And again, all work is good, dig we must, all that stuff. Uh, and, and these guys are real men, God bless them all. But I only bring these up, uh, like I said earlier, for safety reasons, not just for pedestrians, not just for people in their own vehicles, because they, they're, on, they're texting and distracted and whatnot, particularly for the people that are working uh, these particular operations. So anyway, Joe, a lot of things have been going on these days, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, in, in politics and whatnot. I got to ask a, a real quick question. In as far as someone who comes up with a civil trial against the former president for what happened uh, back in 1996, why didn't she take the criminal uh, route first? Why did she go to civil court first, Joe, against uh, former President Donald Trump? Well, it's not a, it's not up to anyone. <laughs> It's up to the district attorney whether criminal charges ever get filed. And so that's not a the victim of a, of, of a crime doesn't can't file criminal charges. They can only file a complaint with the police and the police and the district attorney do what they do. Right. And if you're asking about the Trump case, I think she said she didn't file a complaint because she was, which is many cases in sexual assaults, they didn't want to or too embarrassed, were afraid or whatever. So there was no criminal charge to bring. Right. There is now. The statute of limitations has been uh, extended. So theoretically, he could get charged with a crime. Really? So, so in other words, a civil crime, civil uh, conviction could lead to, to a criminal uh, accusation or, or trial? It can. It happens sometimes. That's why people take the Fifth Amendment in civil trials and don't have to testify. Wow. I'm sure you saw some of the deposition on the former president, Donald Trump. Seems like he, he was definitely incriminating himself, saying, one, I don't remember. I don't know who you're talking about. And then uh, it seemed like some things did come up. Is that what, is that what I guess, nailed the case uh, right then and there, Joe, in your opinion? Well, I mean, I can tell you if, if I have a good deposition in a case, it goes a long way in helping the case get resolved or in convincing a jury, especially in this case, he chose not to testify, which you don't have to. And uh, so you right. have to do a good job because you're probably going to not get another crack at him. Right. right. Well, obviously they got what they wanted. I, do, I, for one, I have my own opinion, Joe, but that's for another show. It seems like it was an awful long time for her to come that uh, come up with that. And obviously <clears throat> it counteracts so many other things against the Biden family. Today, of course, Congressman Joe George Santos, uh, was arrested on many counts, uh, and yet at the same time, the uh, the Republican uh, congressmen and ladies uh, were uh, were out and about talking about the uh, the Biden administration and their corrupt. We're just, apparently, we're just not going to see any of that. I just went to CNN and other uh, left wing uh, <clears throat> uh, news outlets, and it doesn't seem like they're very interested in that story. But anyway, that's for another day, Joe. Uh, one last thing. I, I, finally, one more time, Joe. I guess people aren't reading the news, aren't seeing the signs. On, on um, Onondaga Parkway down there. Yet again, last week, another truck hit the train trestle. Is is this what Einstein described as insanity, Joe? Well, I, I, no, I think that goes back to what we were talking about just earlier in our conversation. People driving don't pay attention. <laughs> they, they don't pay attention. 
And would you agree? Has anyone come up with an idea that I noticed when I was in high school coming up Route 684 through the Bronx <clears throat> where they dropped chains so that if your truck hit your top of your truck hits the chains, that means you have to stop because there's a tunnel ahead that will not be big enough for you? It, does that make sense or am I just talking to a wall, Joe? Well, I, I think they thought about everything possible. I don't think there's, you know, I think they have lasers on there that set off lights and warn you for a half a mile that your truck is too big. Right. But apparently that's not working. I mean, the frequency, I, I guess because during COVID there, were less, there was less traffic and whatnot. Now COVID essentially is gone. And now it seems to be, I mean, the frequency that it's happening, it seems like it's happening every month now, Joe. Well, I don't know. Recently, yes. And I, I, you know, again, it just goes back to people are not watching what they're doing. They're paying attention to everything else but driving, obviously. Right. And if you're a commercial truck driver and you're not paying attention, that's pretty scary. Right, right. And in many cases, uh, a lot of them are overworked. They don't have enough sleep. And they're making uh, they're not making good judgment calls when especially when they're on Onondaga Parkway down near Solvay down there in what uh, in Syracuse. <clears throat> I know it's eighty miles from where I'm sitting right now, but I'm fascinated with that story because it just keeps on coming back. It's like the herpes of Syracuse; it never goes away. Joe, it's a bad example, but I figured people can understand it. Joe, always when we talk about things happening in the world, happening in Washington, happening in Syracuse, uh, when one wants to find out more about how they can get results uh, from your law firm, the Stanley Law Firm, how can people do that? How can they get in contact with you, sir? Sure. StanleyLawOffices.com is our website. My email is joe at StanleyLawOffices.com and the phone number is 1-800-608-3333. Oh, you almost sang that, Joe. Excellent job. Once again, thank you very much, sir. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next Wednesday, Joe. You too, Glenn. Thanks, thank Joe. You. Attorney Joe Stanley here with us here on AM 1240. Give me a shout. <clears throat> 755-1240. The stage is all yours. Do it. Do it now. Uh, I read uh, Sarah Capo's uh, statement, and if I repeated, uh, it looked a little different from what I read yesterday from her Facebook statement. I don't know if that's been altered or changed or if she added more things to it. But nonetheless, <clears throat> I wanted to include that after reading uh, what uh, PJ had sent to me early today and his reasonings uh, why uh, he feels that uh, Sarah Campo is in the wrong in all this extortion chatter. So right now, someone's on the phone. Let's go to, the, let's go to that right now. Higher in the air. Glenn. Yes, Duffman. Yeah, I, was, I heard uh, a lefty uh, last week talking about callers that don't listen to the show that call in. Right. Yeah. Does Joe listen? Never. Never listens. <laughs> no, he I would hate me if he did. Because, as you know, we're on both sides of the, uh, rather opposite sides of the political coin. Yeah, yeah, he's not going to listen. No. Well, I mean, I don't expect him to. He's down in Syracuse, he's got other yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna hear anything about what came out this morning about Biden's and all that. You're not gonna hear any of that on any of the news shows. You're just gonna hear George Santos, right? Uh, and you're gonna hear about Donald Trump. They're not gonna mention anything about an appeal or anything like that, or no. anything yet further, or, you know that kind of stuff. So right, right, right. Yeah, Sonny Houston's gonna say twice impeached, twice uh, this, that, the other thing, and. Uh, he is a, uh, a rapist. I, I'm sure she'll throw yeah. that into her, you know, entourage of well, yeah, insults. Well, yeah, that's exactly what they wanted to be able to do. Right. On an appeal, the case will probably get thrown out. By the way, who was the woman on Fox, a beautiful blonde? <clears throat> she took over for Megyn Kelly. Megyn Kelly. Remember, she went to NBC with a big contract. Oh, boy, NBC. disaster. Yeah, daytime and TV. Except her there, just like, you know, the... Uh, What's his name that went to uh, CNN there or MSN? Oh, yeah, uh, Chris Wallace. Well, yeah, they're not going to accept him, and we didn't want him. Well, no one wanted him uh, here, yeah. uh, Shepard Smith, another one that they were going to accept him. Yeah, Lefty thought Shepard Smith was the bomb. Oh, yeah, he's going to be great. He's gone. He looked like an alien. He looked like the alien on on the Quisp cereal box. I can never figure him out. Uh, Quisp. Yeah, Quisp. Remember Quisp and Frankenberries? Uh, and then also we got Chris Cuomo on News Nation. I try to watch that, and I just like, oh my god! It, it's you know, remember McLean Stevenson on Mash, uh, Duffman. Yes. McLean Stevenson, like so many other people over the years, swore that he was one of the main reasons why people tuned into Mash every Monday or Tuesday night, whenever it was. And then he says, "I'm going to go off on my own." 
because he, he would sit in for Johnny Carson every now and then. He had a name. There's no doubt about it. He was talented, good-looking guy, and he, he just failed miserably. And it's the same yeah, thing. You, you, could take, you could take the man out of the network, but you can't take the network out of it. You see what I'm saying? Tucker yeah. is a rare example. I could say the same thing about Bill O'Reilly. Uh, he never went to another network. He was older. It didn't really matter. He has millions of dollars. He started his own deal. But as far as Tucker is concerned, he is a prime example of what I used earlier. If you get rid of Babe Ruth in 1921, 1922, you just lost your entire franchise. You just lost your, well, your history. It's just like you said before. You can't, you can't replace Rush Limbaugh. No, you can never. No, not with Clay. Rush Limbaugh yeah. is one of those guys. Travis, that, yeah. You know, we all, we all know, you and I both know we can be replaced. Right. Well, I don't know. But Tucker Carl, Tucker Carlson came into his own. Right. And another one is, is uh, 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 what's his name there? You can't, you, you just rush Limbaugh. You just can't replace him. No. I mean, they're irreplaceable. There are. So you got Clay Travis and the other guy, and they're good. Don't get me wrong, but they kind of took over for him. And then you got Dan Bangino. Uh, so they kind of filled in the, the big shoes that, that Rush left. But as far as, you know, the the woman that's on there right now, the former press secretary that's doing it at 8 o'clock, you had Lawrence last week. They're, they're teleprompter readers, uh, uh, Duffman. And so, and so, and so is Tucker, by the way, but he's much better at it. Go ahead. Yeah, I said I haven't watched it since uh, I watched the first night that Kilmey was on just to see if they said anything about it. Right, right, uh, right. And that, and that was the last time I watched it. And, I don't, and like you said, I don't even watch it. In the evening, at all. Well, the ratings are abysmal. I think it's I think it's as much as forty to fifty percent loss in primetime uh, uh, ratings. As, yeah, as I it mean, everybody's tuning into the History Channel and some of the other things. Right. So I, I don't know if you watch uh, Mysteries you know, with. Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, I do. Fishburne, right. Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, I don't watch <laughs> that, but I'm familiar with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what I do now? I mean, there's so much sports going on right now because of basketball and hockey. I mean, it's, it's, it's winding down. It's thinning out because they're getting deeper into the playoffs. But now there's always a basketball game. There's always a baseball game. Uh, so if you're a sports fan, you have alternatives. So Fox at this point, I never thought I'd say this stuff, man. I'm sure you would say agree. Fox is, on, is going down. I, if they can't fit that role, if they can't put in and fill in that hole, which they're not, and they certainly haven't done it in the last three weeks. No disrespect to Brian Kilmeade. He's perfect in the morning. I love his radio show, but he is a fish out of water at that 8 o'clock slot. And, and Hannity and Laura Ingram are paying the price. So it'll be interesting to see how they go uh, going forward. Duffman, thanks for the call. i got to go, and i got to do a break, but thank you, my friend. Okay, buddy. Have oh, we got some wait, going. one more call before the break. Hi, you're on the air. Hey, Quan. Yes. Uh, um, hey, uh, I just I tried to call the other day, but you've had a couple of guests that have uh, filled your show, and that's, yeah, yeah, that's pretty right. awesome. Yeah, um, I really liked uh, Mary Ellen Blevin. Yeah, very, very, very um, nice woman. She, she did good. But one of the things you brought up, it was either that day or the day after that. Um, Tom Homan? You were talking. What's that? I had Tom Homan on the next day after Mary, Mary uh well, Ble- no, Ms. This, is one, this is one of your callers that we, you were talking about number of votes mm-hmm. for, you know, total votes after for the 2020 election. Right. And it was like 17 million more votes than before. Right. And you were in agreement with another guy that you thought that was not a real, not reality. Right. And I was just wanted to see if you were just kind of, you know, shooting the breeze there or if you really were thinking that. Well, first of all, I was mis- I, I, I was off by about three, maybe four million votes because Danny, Danny, you might be referring to Danny Francis, who obviously didn't agree with me, but he contested <laughs> it the next day. And that conversation that you're referring to is with was with uh, Jude Seymour and, and uh, Michelle last Tuesday. So my, here's oh, my that's right. He, that's he, and right. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, here. they weren't really yeah. in the know on the whole national. They are, they, and well, yeah. So they can only talk about the, the, the what what happens in front of them in their own domain, but that's the right. same as others. So you got the Dominion, which they're very familiar with, and you also have the mail-in balloting. And yes, I was off by about 4 million votes, which would go from 17 million to amount to around 13 million vi- difference between 2016 
in 2020. Plus, as you know, if you're listening, Jude Seymour and Michelle said, yes, they couldn't put a number on it, but at least 40%, by the way, big number, at least 40% of the mail of the votes in 2020 were mail-in votes. My, I contested, my, my, my whole grievance with all this is that we heard for years, even now, Hillary Clinton saying that the, uh, the Russians stole 2016 by buying Facebook ads and manipulating people that way, so they stole the election. And yet four years later, we went from people essentially going to ballots, going to their local schools, their local uh, churches and so forth, going into a Dominion box, voting on a piece of paper and leaving. And then four years later, over 40, maybe 50 percent of those votes came in at, by, by way of early voting and mail-in balloting. That, and then all of a sudden you get this huge increase from 2016 to 2020. And the argument would be is as well, more people wanted uh, Trump out. That's why people showed up at the polls. And I say no freaking way it was right. the so whole can, thing was rigged can, I, now i i am a, now danny's I'm going conservative, crazy yeah you know consider myself a conservative and this has nothing to do with who won or whatever it's just your argument that these numbers i got a few things that i'd like to bring up well, and, go ahead would you would you agree that people were more polarized during the 2020 election oh my god yeah it's yeah time in recent memory yeah right? oh, in my lifetime and, certainly yes right exactly and would you agree that uh Many people were very polarized on both sides because of, you know, their perception of Donald Trump, whether good or bad. Right, right, right. right. And then um, a lot of Democrats were like, oh, we can't do this again where we thought Hillary was going to win. Right. And she didn't because we didn't vote. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of people with considerable concerns on both sides. Right. So. Um, and it was like a crisis point there, uh, and it was very turbulent for the the 20th century. And if you if you look back, like there were 63, 62.8 percent of the eligible voters voted in 2020. Hmm. The last time we had over 60 percent was 1968. Wow, interesting. Okay, and that's that's Vietnam. Right. Right. That's right. when the, the youth of the nation, again, stepped up and voted. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a large and that was a crisis point in our in our history. Mm-hmm. In 1960, Cold War was looming. We had 62.8, same as 2020. Mm. And these are the, the ones I'm going to mention are only over 60 percent. The rest were not. 1952, what was going on then? We had the end of the Korean War. You know, a lot of people were out. Um, uh, civil liberties was also starting. Uh, they were the fire had ignited under right. civil rights. Right. Let, let me interrupt so, you. On, on, I know where you're going sure. with this. So you're saying essentially that people were more motivated for, to vote at these junctures in, in our history, and therefore it didn't sit on in their kitchen uh, because they thought uh, Hillary Clinton would win it in 2016. Therefore, four years later, they were more motivated to vote in 2020 against Trump. Is that what you're saying? Some yes. Okay. Okay. Can I just say one thing? Can I just say one thing, though? Remember what we just discussed. Okay. Mail in balloting. No, oh, no, I, okay. I got that. Yeah, I, no, I no, no, no. Hear me, no. I don't think you did get it. And here's why: because no. <laughs> pro, in, in 1950, in 1968, and and all the yeah. other 1960, we did not repeat. We did not have that in some. I mean, just in disproportionate amount of voting coming in that way than in our history since we started right. this country hundreds of years ago. So you see, what, so you what, see what where that could be manipulated. Glenn, what else did we not have in 1968 and 1940? In 1916, uh, what was not happening? And what? What is that? We would have had an election in 1918. You you might have seen it. Even 1920, uh, there might have been if if voting via if uh, absentee ballots were available at the time. I don't get it. What are you COVID. What are you saying? You well, mean had, more people would vote in November of 1920? Right? Yeah. We had started COVID in in. 2000. March of yeah. 2020, right? Right, right. Give or take. Right. Does that sound right? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Right. So, um, and we had a whole bunch of young people mm-hmm. who went up from 19, from 2016, 18 to 24s went from 40% voting to 48% voting in 2020. Hmm. Okay, so we had a large increase, and that was the highest since Vietnam ending in 1972 for that age group, okay? 
So you had a lot of motivated youths who were either, you know, just coming of age to vote or, you know, we're in this pandemic. A lot of people were at home. We had, you know, the, no, the I get influence it. of Donald Trump plus or minus. Another thing from 2016, we had 59% voting. Okay. The eligible voters, 59%. In 2020, between 2016 and 2020, we gained 8 million eligible voters that came of age. 8 million. Right. And if you just take the number that voted in 2016, which was 59%, okay, not the 62.8 that actually voted in 2020, you would increase the voting base by 4.7 million. And that's, Glenn, that's only with the people that came of age to vote in 2020 of an increase. So you're, you're, you're saying that an increase of what we guesstimated to be anywhere between 14 and 17 million, and there's more of a, there's a concrete number that I'm just not... Right, the absolute number, it, I mean, it would be relevant. If it, okay, if it so let me challenge you one, one more thing. And, and by the yeah. way, uh, interesting analysis, that's for sure. But let me just say one thing. Barring that we don't have yet another visit or gift, I should say, from China, uh, such as right. COVID in 2000, the Wuhan, Wuhan uh, gift that we got, thanks to uh, Donald Trump and, and, and his tariffs and his, and his trades. And yes, it was a yep. gift. As, remember, uh, Jane Fonda said it herself, COVID was a gift for the Democrats. And she meant that. Yep. And she's absolutely right. right. So let's just say this. Okay, you're saying that there was a motivating factor. There was more young voters in there, and they're all indoctrinated by all their schools. And it's not just Berkeley. It's not just Yale and Harvard. It's also Oswego State and a local junior college near you that's been indoctrinating kids for the last 25 years to say that Republicans True. and white people are bad. All of a sudden, we have this new barrage of, of, of Democratic voters saying, I hate Trump. I can't stand him and then but at the same time will we see the same thing when trump and biden run in 2024 in your opinion in my opinion no Hmm. because biden although as stupid as he is and as as derelict as he is and probably not even intentionally because this i believe his brain is well he's an older guy yeah he's had issues on his second term sure um much worse the, the partisanship isn't as strong because Trump forced, he brought out that strength in people that they loved him mm-hmm. or they hated him. Mm-hmm. And those are two giant factors to motivate people. Um, so, okay, you know, so, real, real quick, we're running out of time. What happens, in your opinion, what happens next year if, if, of course, the same candidates are there? Some people say that, of course, Gavin Newsom might be the 11th hour choice. What say you if Biden and Trump run next year? Who wins and at what margin? Real quick. If Biden and Trump run next year, I think it's going to be close. Trump's right now, you know, there's some bad press going oh, on. Oh, yeah, about there's him, some bad press. But Biden, Biden, yeah, <laughs> you were talking about it earlier. Of course. Um, you know, but that that happens. But Biden's going to continue to deteriorate uh, mentally, mm. and I think it's going to be harder to cover up right. than it was for Reagan in his second term. Because gotcha, it'd be a lame duck president. He had Alzheimer's, and he I, I got to run. I got to go. But great call. Call me up again. I, I'm getting down to the nitty gritty. I great, really appreciate your call, my friend. Thanks again. All right, Glenn. I'll talk Take to care. you. So this is why I disagree with that. First of all, I've said all along that we'll never see another Republican in 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue ever. And it's not just because of the of the civil trial yesterday, uh, you know, the rape allegations and so forth and the conviction. It's not that at all. It's just that everything is just so friggin stacked. I agree with that, man. There's no doubt about it. Young voters just don't want this guy. And they want uh, Roe versus Wade reinstated in the federal level. And they will, because that's what's most important to them. We'll talk about more about this and other things here on the Live at Five show. Up next, CBS News, AM 1240, WE10. What a town makes this legal. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Monica Ricks in New York. Republican Congressman George Santos is out on bond now after 